It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, October 30th. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. After his first ballot initiative to limit cruise traffic was denied by the city, Sitkin Larry Edwards is trying again to put the question out to voters in a special election. This summer, cruise ships brought more than half a million people to Sitka, breaking last year's new record and more than doubling any year before that. And not everyone is happy about it. So what this initiative is about is giving uh, Sitkin's relief from the high numbers we've had and getting things back to the normal we had back in uh, you know the period of 2001 through 2009 when we had uh, a period of uh, high tourism that was very controversial but was stable and was at a level that was good for business. So I think that's a good place to start for looking at what the right size for cru- cruise tourism is in Sitka. In September, Edwards and over 40 co-sponsors submitted a petition to establish a port district and limit cruise visitors to 240,000 next summer with weekly and daily limits. If the city's legal department had found Edwards' petition admissible, he would have then collected just over 800 signatures in order to get the question out to voters in a special election this winter. But in late September, his petition was denied. At the time, municipal attorney Brian Hansen said the rejection was based on a few things. Establishing a port district through a voter referendum wouldn't work since the Assembly has the authority over allocating public assets like land. He also said the description of how the visitor limits would be enforced was confusing, misleading, and incomplete. Edwards submitted his second petition to limit cruise traffic to the city clerk's office on October 26th, and much is the same the second time around. It would also cap next summer's visitors at 240,000, and it would still require city permits for boats to visit Sitka. But instead of creating a port district, the new petition establishes a tourism section of the Sitka General Code. The new ordinance also includes a more fleshed-out enforcement section with fines for boats that exceeded their authorized persons ashore. The city has two weeks to respond and to determine whether the petition is valid. So if it's rejected a second time, what then? We'll have to have a plan B, but uh, as the city attorney said in his rejection letter, he said that the assembly could do what you're trying to do here. So I think the next step is to put the pressure on the assembly and say, do something for us for next year. Should the initiative win approval to move forward, Edwards will have to collect fewer than the 800 signatures that would have been required if the first petition was approved. The number of signatures is based on one-third of voters in the most recent municipal election. Voter turnout was lower this October, which means Edwards only needs to collect around 550 signatures to make his ballot initiative a reality. You can view a copy of Edwards' new petition on our website at kcaw.org. That Alaska's fiscal system is broken is probably most obvious to the people who helped create it. Two civic organizations in Sitka recently heard from a co-author of the Alaska Permanent Fund, who's on a mission to set the state's finances right. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Cliff Groh was a 28-year-old legislative aide in 1982 when he helped draft the law establishing the Alaska Permanent Fund. Having worked in and out of government since then, including as special assistant to the state commissioner of revenue and as municipal attorney for the city of Sitka, Groh is now back in government as an elected representative serving House District 18 in North Anchorage as a Democrat. Gro recently returned to Sitka at his own expense to visit with old friends and to share his ideas about Alaska's fiscal problems with the local Rotary and Chamber of Commerce. Fellow House member Rebecca Hemshute is an independent representing Sitka, Petersburg, and many surrounding communities. 
but she participates in the minority caucus with Grow. She said that among their very diverse caucus, Grow has earned a nickname. The expertise that Cliff brings to the table, well, he's actually earned a nickname. Um, he's the Fiscal Cliff. And so we, <laughs> we talk a lot about our Fiscal Cliff here in Alaska, and he really truly is, literally, our Fiscal Cliff. So he's going to help share some of those ideas that he has with us today about um, not even just ideas, but facts and figures about where we are and how we got there and some ideas for how things might be different in the future. Grow's vision for the future is basically a return to the past and to the strategies that a bankrupt territory of Alaska used to shore up its finances and win statehood. The territory relied on revenues from fishing and mining in those days and was crippled by deficits. In 1948, territorial voters threw out almost the entire legislature and brought in new people with a purpose. And the new legislature came in, and in the 11-day period, they passed five taxes in a special session before the regular session started in January of 1949. And the biggest one by far, and the one that's had the most consequence in terms of revenues, was the first personal income tax in Alaska. That income tax was repealed in 1980, shortly after the completion of the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. And Gross says that was the beginning of the Alaska disconnect, when Alaskans began to expect not just an annual dividend check, but also free government in perpetuity. Gross says that strategy worked pretty well for about 35 years, but now that oil revenues have peaked and are on a steady decline, Without an income tax, there's no way to scale Alaska's revenues to the population. He asked the Sitka Chamber of Commerce to conduct a thought experiment and to imagine Alaska's population doubling. What would happen to government services? Well, the roads would go south. And like I said, they're already terrible in my district. I have to say, drive around Sitka right now, not exactly perfect here either. And obviously the state ferries, which used to run a lot more when I lived here more than 15 years ago, that would decline. We would need more school facilities and teachers or face worse outcomes. Our dividends get smaller. And public health and safety resources like troopers, firefighters, public health nurses would be stretched thin. And actually all the state services would either require more investment or the quality would suffer. So let's talk about what happened to state revenue if the population doubled. It'd be about the same it is now. So we need to understand that. Just 10 years ago, Groves might have been a lone voice in the wilderness, but Alaska has since burned through billions in savings. And while the principle of the permanent fund itself can't be touched, another account called the earnings reserve can be spent with just a majority vote of the legislature, and then Alaska would have no operating cash at all. So now many of Groves' colleagues are also talking about taxes, either a state sales tax, an income tax, or both. Grow has introduced HB 156, which would impose a 2% income tax, but only on earnings above $200,000. Anyone earning less than $200,000 would just chip in $20. He's not keen on a sales tax. Some other legislators favor a sales tax. One was introduced this year. It was a very broad sales tax. And then I said, folks, before we start taxing groceries and feminine products, um, I'd rather tax millionaires first. Asked by a chamber member whether permanent fund dividends should be discontinued, Gross said he didn't think that would solve the Alaska disconnect, although he did support restructuring the dividend and protecting the fund itself with a constitutional amendment. And he also did not support a strategy used by many governments, including the federal government, deficit spending. We can't borrow our way out of this problem, 
Gro said. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Juno restaurant Black Moon Coven, known for its bone broth soup and witchy decor, closed this month after two and a half years. Its owner is training to become a death doula, someone who provides emotional and spiritual support at the end of life. KTOO's Katie Anastas has more. Three years ago, Ames Villanueva Alf was out for a run in downtown Juneau when she saw a small restaurant space for rent on Seward Street. Its walls were painted what she called bumblebee yellow. And I peered in this window and immediately could just see, even though like there was like blinding yellow, I could see and envision this. That vision was a dark but cozy nook adorned with taxidermy and skulls, with coffins and three-eyed cats painted on black walls. She called it Black Moon Coven. I just wanted it to be very obscure because I wanted them to be curious enough to just risk it and then maybe get a on me. Black Moon Coven opened in April 2021, offering sweet and savory waffles for breakfast and sandwiches and noodles for lunch. Last week, it closed. Starting next month, Villanueva Alf will train to become a death and grief doula. Before Black Moon, she spent five years running Gonzo, a restaurant in Ock Bay. That was where I spent all of my energy and all of my time. She closed Gonzo in 2020 after she was assaulted there. I had a lot of friends that have had restaurants and have had um, people that have violated them, but like not in this way. So it just felt really lonely. Villanueva Alf went into what she called a cocooning phase. She signed a lease for the new space downtown. She invited friends to paint ghosts and coffins on the walls. She collected taxidermy. Villanueva Alf started studying yoga, sound healing, and spiritual psychology. A question from one of her instructors led her to her next move. If you could be something for yourself when you were a child, what would you be? What would you need? And can you bring that out right now? And I was thinking about how badly I would have wanted somebody to explain grief to me. Now she wants to help people at the end of their lives and their loved ones experience death and grief in a healthy way. I want to give people life recipes for how to suffer well. For now, she's grieving the closure of Black Moon Coven. Still, Villanueva Alf says closing Black Moon feels better than closing Gonzo. It's on her own terms, out of excitement for the future rather than ties to the past. In Juno, I'm Katie Anastas. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Bye.